Let's put our hands together for my beloved disciple and son in the faith, Pastor Marcus. What's up? What's up? How you living? How you doing? I guess you guys didn't know how to respond to how you living. How you living is like how you're doing. How are you doing? I, was like, I can't I can't use a proper voice and then not say it right. How you living is like how you doing. That doesn't work. How you guys doing tonight? You feeling good? Yeah. Hallelujah. Our God is good. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If you guys can open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms. What? Psalms? What? And then turn and turn to Psalm 139. That's what we're going to be going through tonight. Hallelujah. Wow, it's like so different being up here. Like there's so much like space. I'm used to like Friday fire and being in like that corner and stuff. It's, it's so good. Man, God is so good. God is good. Yeah, so... Before I say anything else, I guess I'll just uh, pray for us and then I'll go into the word. So let's, all, let's also bow our heads and I'll pray. Uh, Father, oh dear gracious Father, we, we love you Abba. We just thank you for your goodness. And we thank you Lord and what you're doing here at New Philly and what you're doing here in Seoul God. We celebrate it Lord. We say yes and amen to its continuation, to its fulfillment Lord. Uh, Father, we pray that tonight, God, as you're taking this church into a season of intimacy, Lord, that you would really um, help us to evaluate our hearts. Help us to evaluate our hearts tonight. Take us deeper into your heart, God. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you, Jesus. So why don't you come? We just pray that you would come tonight. Holy Spirit, would you come? Just over each and every person, in every heart in this place, just fill this place, Holy Spirit. And Lord, right now, I just come against every distraction. I come against every weight, all heaviness, all discouragement. Right now, we declare it's dust in the name of Jesus. We just declare it being broken off in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just speak openness, Lord. Lord, we just pray that, Lord, our hearts will be like gates that are open. Our heads will be lifted so that you, King of glory, can come in. Uh, So we just thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So... So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about intimacy. And I know we've all been talking about, like, next this year, we're going into a year of intimacy. And, like, this past week, as I felt the Lord was speaking to me about intimacy, because he doesn't, like, you know, you guys know how it is. Like, if someone comes up here and speaks about something, it's usually because God has already spoken it to them, either that week or just throughout an entire season. And uh, so earlier this week, God began to speak to me about intimacy. Like in my quiet times and just as I'm reading and praying, it's all about intimacy. And I'll be honest, I, I really, at first, I really wasn't feeling it, you know? I felt like I, when I found out I had to preach, I was like, I don't want to preach about intimacy. Like, I want to preach about, like, sonship, you know? We've been talking about sonship. I want to talk about sonship. Intimacy, like, bride of Christ? Like, I'm a guy. I don't want to, I'll be real. Like, I didn't even, like, that's an identity that I really haven't taken hold of, you know? And so like this past year, even when we've been talking about sonship and the father's heart and all that stuff, I've been getting like wrecked like this entire year. Like every time someone talks about the father's heart, I'm like usually getting a hug from John Michael and crying. No, I'm serious. There's like pictures to prove it. I'm just like, right. (laughs) 
But then like, as soon as someone starts talking about like the bride of Christ, I'm like, okay, all right. But the sisters are like, yeah, bride of Christ. Yeah. So like when everyone's talking about intimacy, the sisters were like feeling it. But like the brothers are like intimacy. Hmm. Okay. All right. We'll see. And so that, that's how I felt. But God began to, he spoke to me and he was saying like, you know what, Marcus, this past year, as we've been going through this year of epic faith, you know, if you're going to have epic faith, you need to learn how to be a son because sons walk in epic faith. But then if you're going to go into intimacy, you need to learn how to become a bride. And I'm like, okay, all right. I, I don't see how that's related. But the whole notion of intimacy and the whole notion of being a bride has to do with going into the inner courts, going into the holy of holies, even the secret place with God. But sons can't go necessarily that close in. You know, if you're a son, you can make it into the inner courts. But it's the bride that makes it into the holy of holies. It's the bride that makes it all the way into his heart. You know, a son can. Oh, it's it's it, uh, uh, all right. Never mind. A son can make it and find out like what are the what does a father want them to do? What does a father? Westfall, you you know what's going on? Oh my gosh, I, I didn't mean to call out Westfall. I'm sorry, Westfall. Anyways, like a son, a son can find out what a father wants them to do. A father tells him to go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. But then a bride finds out what's on the, on the father's heart. A bride finds out what are the thoughts and the dreams. And so God began to speak to me about that. But then as he began to speak to me about intimacy this week, he began to speak to me about the fact that I have a fear of intimacy. And so that's what I feel like the Lord wants us to go through tonight. The fear of intimacy. See, you cannot have intimacy if you have a fear of intimacy, right? It just makes sense. But he wants to break that off of us. He wants to break off the fear of intimacy so that we will really know what's on his heart. Amen? Amen. So let's just, we're going to go straight into the word right now. And so we're going to go straight into Psalm 139. So all of us know this psalm, right? Psalm 139 is one of the most famous, if not the most famous psalm in the Bible. Even Jewish writers, you're going to learn something tonight. Even Jewish writers talk about Psalm 139 being probably the most beautiful psalm. They look at the, the Hebrew, they look at the words and they say, it's probably the most beautiful psalm in the Bible. We all, we all know that part like about fearfully and wonderfully made, right? I'm fearfully and... I remember like myung preached about it and she was talking about like, okay, I'm not going to put myung on blast, but I remember myung preached about Psalm 139 and about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And... Uh, and I remember, like, at the time, I was like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't relate to that. But this whole psalm is about intimacy. And this whole psalm is about David encountering the fear of intimacy. And then God leading him through it. So let's check it out. We're going to go through, and I'm going to read through verses. Let's read through verses 1 through 4 together. We're going to go through this psalm bit by bit. All right? So let's read through 1 through 4 together in the ESV. So 1, 2, 3. Shijak. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it altogether. Let's stop right there. We've been talking about we're going into a season of intimacy. We're going into a time of intimacy and but intimacy is all about knowledge. Do you know that? Intimacy is all about knowing someone. It's all about knowing someone on a deep, deep level. The very definition of intimacy 
is that you would have a deep relationship. You go to a deep knowledge with someone. That's, that's what intimacy means. And in these first four verses, we, I remember like so many different songs, like that Hill song, song, was it at the cross? It's like, oh Lord, you searched me, you know my ways, blah, blah, you know? Like we all sing that, we got like smiles on our faces and stuff. But right, right here, what David's saying, in, in, even in verse one, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That word for searched, it means to examine intimately. It means to examine intimately. Like, have you ever, like, on, many of our guys, especially like me and Brian, I remember we went to Delhi on missions. And on our way out from Delhi, we had to go through the Delhi airport. And obviously, I stuck out a bit. And uh, Brian stuck out as well. So when we go through, we go through customs. And all of a sudden, this guy, this Indian guy just pulls us aside. He's like, come here, come here, right here. And he like, he stands us there and he, he searches us intimately and it was like the most uncomfortable thing i've ever experienced in my life it was like (sighs) and he just had a straight face it was really weird it was really awkward but he's talking about you have searched me and known me that word know as well it means to know intimately Even, even in the very first verse in this psalm david is talking about how god looks at him and he sees everything about him That God looks at him and he sees everything. He does not miss a single thing about him. And he knows him just like that. And we know that about God, right? We're like, God is omnipotent. He knows he's he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows everything. He's everywhere. We act like we know that. But that's kind of a scary thought. Don't you think? He keeps going. He says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, You discern my thoughts from afar. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You ever you ever heard that song by Clay Aiken? What is it? Christian loves this song. I found it on his iPod. It's like this song is called Invisible by Clay Aiken. He's like, if and the lyrics are like, okay, the lyrics. Here's how the lyrics go. If I was invisible, I would just. If I was invisible, I would just watch you in your room. Yeah, all of you guys right now, you just felt like, ugh. Just like Clay Aiken on a tree, like right there watching you in your room. That don't make you feel good, does it? That's what David's saying about God. He's saying, God, you see when I go to bed, you see when I get up, you are always there. And then you discern my thoughts from afar. He's not talking about distance. He's talking about time. You discern my thoughts from a long ways out. You know what I thought way back in the day. All those things we thought that are hidden, you know. Mm. You search out my path and my lying down. You know everywhere I go. You know where I'm supposed to go. You know where I've been. And are acquainted with all my ways. One thing we love, we, that's a staple here at our church is healing and deliverance ministry. And it's where you get in a session and you begin to go through all your ways. You begin to go through a lot of the things in the past that maybe you are ashamed of. Things that have happened to you or things that you have done to other people. And so many of us, we actually, it's a struggle. It takes so much grace for us to bring those things out. But David's saying, God, you already know all of that. 
And then he says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You know, like, I think like so many times where someone does something or something happens to me and, and my thought, my first thought is, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I would. If I wasn't, you know, like, I'm just being real with y'all right now. I'm going to be real with y'all tonight. You know those times where somebody does something to you and we think the Christian way is for us to just like, I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to think it all day. You know what I mean? Like you looking at them, you know, mm, mm. but I'm not going to say it. You know, I don't have to repent about anything. I didn't say it. But he's saying, even before a word was on my tongue, you knew it. You know it all together. That's God. He knows everything. When David's saying this, it's not, it's not a comfortable knowing. But that's intimacy. You know God is intimate with you before you're ever intimate with God. You don't have to turn to God and respond to God for God to be intimate with you. He already knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows you all together. Therefore, it's not about you in that way. But when David says this, this is uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable knowing for him. And for many of us, that's how we feel. He's like, God, you know everything. You know all the bad stuff I've done. You know all my mistakes, all my failures, everything that I've done. Yet you know everything. And then he says in verse verse 5, You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. David says all of this about how God has seen everything in him. But then he says, God, you hem me in behind and before. That word hem, it means to be close to. It's almost like, you know, hemming. Like it's, it means to be encircled around, encamped upon. That God is so close to you behind and before. That God is close to us in our past and in our future. And that he lays his hand upon us. In the Bible, when it talks about how God lays his hand upon us, it's talking about God's favor. So what David's saying is, God, you see everything that I've done. You've seen everything in my life. Yet you're close to me. And yet you look upon me favorably. You like me. That's intimacy. But for many of us, and even David, it was uncomfortable. It was, an un- it was an uncomfortable feeling. It did not make David feel good to know that God saw everything. That God was intimate with him in that kind of fashion. Because he says in verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I remember so many times when I first read this psalm, And I read verse six. I would like say it all the time. Like such knowledge is too wonderful for me, God. It's too wonderful. It's too high. I cannot attain it. He's saying such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. And then he says, where should I flee from your presence? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? What David is saying here is God. The fact that you see everything in me, everything in my life, everything that I've ever done, and yet you decide to stay close to me. That's too wonderful for me. 
It's too good. I cannot attain it, God. I cannot do this, God. You know, the thing that blocks intimacy is the fact that we think that people can either can see us and reject us. The thing that blocks intimacy is this feeling that that people can see us. I'm switch mics. The, the thing that blocks intimacy, brothers and sisters, it's two things. It's either that we think people can see us and they see everything in us. And we flee because we're afraid that they'll reject us. Or we're afraid that people will see it and we try to attain intimacy. Therefore, we work and strive to create a wall around ourselves so that people can only get so far. So that people only see a certain wall. When David had a revelation that God saw everything in him, but still decided to be close to him, still decided to love him. He said that knowledge was too good for him. He said that knowledge was too wonderful for him. He said it was too high. He could not attain it. And then he said, where should I flee from your Where should I go from your presence? Where shall I flee? This wasn't David talking about how God is everywhere. This was David talking about how the fact that God sees him and loves him so much scares the crap out of him. The fact that God can see deep inside of him and still decides to love him. His only response can be to run away. And that's what happens with many of us. I was reading this story in this book about North Korea about this this couple this couple that their names one name was Miran and the other one's name was Jungsan I believe and Miran she was she was a she was in the lower class and she so her dad was her dad was like a coal miner and he also happened to be an ex South Korean uh warrior I believe or a soldier and so they they were put at like the lowest possible class like they could they had no upward mobility at all they were at the very lowest rung but this other guy, the guy that she was, she liked, his name was Jungsan, and he was in the upper class, and he was smart, and he went to Pyongyang, and he was in, he was in the schools, and, and every, and he had this, he was going to be an engineer, and so he had all these great things ahead of them, and, but they liked each other, and so they used to hang out, and they would, they would sneak out together in the middle of the night and be together in the cover of darkness, because all the electricity in the cities was gone. But it talked about eventually that they knew at some point that the relationship was going to fail. Because she knew that she could, if it ever came out that she was with him, it would ruin everything with him. And it would even crush her dreams as well. And that's how many of us relate with God. God is the person who is out of our league, so to speak. And because we, we know that God is high, we know God is holy, we know God is all these different things. And so, but when we look at him, we feel like this relationship's never going to work out. You see everything in me and yet you still love me, but it's too wonderful for me. 
It's too high. I cannot attain it. So we flee. We turn away. See, in, in, my, in my personal life, I've seen it manifest in two ways, this fear of intimacy. One is that I allow, people, I allow certain people to get in and I allow certain people to get close to me. But because I am transparent, because I allow these people to see me, I, I am filled with anxiety, jealousy, and envy. Because I'm afraid that because these people see me for who I really am, they will reject me. And therefore, those relationships with them are always wrought with anxiety, always wrought with fear. But then the people that I don't allow to come in, I keep at a distance. And they only know me for my works. They only know me for the love that I can attain. And so I built up a huge wall. And then those people don't get in because I'm afraid that if they get in, they will see me as well and reject me. So I'll build up a facade. And that's what the fear of rejection does. That's the fear of intimacy. I remember when me and Christian used to do accountability. And, you know, like, there's certain people, like, you, you meet and they have, like, those eyes, right? They have, like, those eyes. Like, John, John, Pastor John Newfield has those eyes as well. Like, whenever, like, John, John's glasses are like a veil. But, <laughs> but whenever, like, he takes them off, it's like, it's like, just like x-ray vision. Like, I cannot talk to John when his glasses are off. And it's like the same thing with like, it's the same thing with Pastor Christian. Whenever we would do accountability or anything and we would sit down and it's like, he didn't have to even do that. He would just like look up like this and he'd like ask me a question or something. And I was and, but I would be so filled with fear because especially, especially if I knew I had done something wrong and I came into the accountability and he asked me the question, and like, I have to be honest because I feel like he automatically knows already. Like, he's like, he may not even be like prophetic like that. He may not even already know. But as soon as he looks at me, I'm just like, okay, all right. So this is what happened. And this is everything that I did. And then this is, oh, don't hurt me. Because I'm so afraid. Because I'm so, and even as I say those things, even as I say them, I know my whole feeling is that he'll reject me. Every time I went to accountability, my biggest fear was that that was going to be the last accountability we'd ever do. Because I was afraid as soon as I sat down, he'd say, oh, you messed up again, man. That's, that's, I can't do this with you, man. It's, it's just too much. It's, man, man, it's just ended. It's, it's just, it's worthless. It's a waste of my time. That's how we feel with people around us. So we keep them at a distance. We either turn away from them altogether and we never engage with them. Or we build up a facade. Because we're afraid of really being intimate. And we do that with God. It's not just people around us. 
more than anyone else it's God he said where shall I go from your spirit where shall I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven you are there if I make my bed in Sheol you are there If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. See, David, he'd realized that such knowledge was too high for him. He realized that God had given him a love. God had given him an intimacy. God had called him to something deep. But he couldn't work for it. He couldn't attain it on his own. God had just given it to him. God just loved him because he loved him. And that's how God is with us. And even when we flee, even when we turn away, no matter where we go, God is still there. Even when you feel like that, if I mess up one more time, God's going to turn away from me. He's not. He's there. But see, the fear, the thing about the fear of intimacy is it will lead you to places that sometimes you don't ever want to go. He said, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. He would have rather went to Sheol than be in the goodness of God. He would have rather went to the uttermost parts of the sea than to be there in God's love. And how many times when someone is intimate with us or when God shows his intimacy to us and he shows himself to us. Because we're afraid that that knowledge and we feel that knowledge is too wonderful for us. We will go to places that sometimes we should never even go. But God is there. Because that's the intimacy that God gives us. That even when you fear Even when you turn away, you cannot sabotage God's love. You cannot sabotage this intimacy. This season of intimacy, this intimacy that God is calling us into, you cannot sabotage. I want you to know that, that I don't care what kind of fears you have coming into this year or whatever fears you have about intimacy, you cannot sabotage it. There is nothing that you can do to squander this intimacy. You know, I think, I think back by all my relationships that I was in in college, all my friendships, and every single one of them I tried to sabotage. I tried to sabotage them because I was afraid of rejection. I tried to sabotage them because I was afraid of intimacy. I was afraid of people getting so close to me that then they would reject me. So I either tried to hold them close or I never let them get close at all. But God wants to set you free from that. He wants to set us free from that feeling that we have to control our relationships, that we have to control our relationship with God. And the way he does that is by telling you that you cannot sabotage that relationship. The love that God has for you, you cannot break. The things that he has for you, you cannot destroy. 
That's why David gets his, David gets his revelation. He says, he, he speaks this all of a sudden. He talks about how he goes through the darkness and yet God is still there. And then all of a sudden he switches and he says, well, for you, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. For my frame was not hidden from you when I, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Why does David go so far back? Why does David talk about how he's fearfully and wonderfully made now? Why does he say all these things? It's because he realizes that God is the one who started this love. You can't sabotage something that you didn't start. You, you ever had someone like, like you that you like did not like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being real. But you, you ever have someone just like, like you and like, they like you so much that you feel like it's like annoying. Like they just keep like talking. I'm not saying like, it's like me. Cause I'm probably like on the other end. I'm probably like the annoying one, but thank you. You know, I'm being I'm being real with you right now. You can let down all all the you can let down all the walls and stuff like, oh, I'm not like that. Oh, I'm not like that. Because like I remember in in middle school, there was this girl. I'm not her name was Mark Creech. All right. And and uh, I shouldn't have said her name. I'm sorry. Don't judge me. Gosh, whatever. All right. And anyways, and I remember I remember because I remember because in seventh grade, like. Like, uh, it was seventh grade. Like, uh, what was her name? Her name was Shaniqua. Shaniqua. Shaniqua came over to me and Shaniqua was like, Hey, Marcus, come here. I was like, and like, Shaniqua was like six foot tall. Like, I was mad scared. And like, I come over to where Shaniqua is and Shaniqua's like, Marcus, Marcus likes you. I was like, Oh, really? Uh, do you, you like, you like Marcus? No, I don't think so. But for like the whole like rest of that year, like I was like, like, you know, when you can feel eyes on your neck, like somebody like looking at you, but you don't know if they're looking at you. Like I was sitting up front. I could feel eyes like burning into my neck. And I'm and like, I turn around like Mark Creech, like looking at me. Hi, Marcus. Oh, oh my goodness. And I tried everything. And Marcrish continued to like me like the whole like year. No, don't don't no no. Don't give me that. I was scared. It's like everywhere I go, I like close my locker. She's like standing right there. What's up, Marcus? What's up? Because yeah, my Christian, my Christian's from the hood. She was from my street, so, so he, she talked to me, mad ghetto. She was like, "What's up, Marcus? How you doing?" I was like, so scared. But there was nothing I could do to sabotage it because I didn't start it. Marcus started it. And you know what? You cannot sabotage the love that God has for you because God is the one who started it. Because God is the one who formed. Don't don't take it there. God is the one who formed your inward parts. God is the one who looked at you and he planned out all your days. He planned out every single day in your life. 
out of his love for you, out of his desire for intimacy with you. It said that David wrote that in his book were written every single day of his life before there was none of them. Because David, it came to the revelation that God loved him so much that God was the one who started the intimacy. He couldn't sabotage it. And God was so committed to it that God would write out the days of his life to make sure that David would come to the revelation that God loved him. That David had fashioned his entire life to see that God wanted to be intimate with him. Every circumstance in your life, everything that has happened in your life, God either allows or puts there to call you into intimacy with him. Because he wants you to see that you can't sabotage. He wants you to see that he is calling you there. And it's something that you cannot destroy because you didn't start it. And when you come to that revelation, when you come to that place that you realize that that's God that is working through that, that breaks off the fear of intimacy. You know, I was in my room this week and I was weeping and I couldn't figure out why I was weeping so much. And then I realized that God has worked in my life through so many different people, even Christian. I have to honor Christian because so many different times where I thought people would reject me and I thought God would reject me. And it never happened because God was so faithful to orchestrate the circumstances of my life to show me that he wants to be intimate with me. Every single time I would walk into accountability thinking that Christian would tell me to go away. He didn't. I had thought that I could attain it. I thought I could attain intimacy. I thought I could work for it. But now I realize that you can't work for intimacy. You, you have to realize that you are already loved. And that everything in your life is all geared around God just showing you how much you are loved. And when that happens, then you're able to love. You cannot have intimacy with someone if you don't know what it's like to you don't experience intimacy for yourself you cannot love someone else if the entire time you're afraid that other people will reject you it is impossible you know for the first 16 verses of this psalm david's talking about himself the entire time And then once David realizes that God has been working in his life since the very beginning to bring him into intimacy with him. What's the first thing he says? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Verse 2, he was talking about his own thoughts. God, you know everything that I think. But once he realizes that it's not about him. When he realizes that he is loved regardless of what he does. The first thing that he says is how precious to me are your thoughts. I can love you now because I realize that you love me. He says, I awaken, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. 
Once the fear of intimacy is broken off, you begin to care about the things that God cares about. You begin to care about the things that other people care about. So many times we fake intimacy and we act like we care about what other people care about just so we can direct it back to ourselves. But when we realize that we are loved, that every circumstance in our life is not orchestrated to turn people and God against us, but to turn us towards God, we are able to then love the things that God loves. We're able to love the places that God calls a jewel, the places that God weeps about, the places that are on God's heart. I believe that in this next year is really when we're going to press into Israel and North Korea. But it's not just because John Michael gets up here and leads prayer topics. It's not because Pastor Christian says that, that that's the things that we should pray about. It's because we love God so much. It's because we love God so much that we don't have to worry about ourselves anymore. We don't have to worry about God. If I don't be, if I don't pray for new Philly and if I don't pray for my circumstances and the things that are going on in my life, then you won't answer. No, we can say, God, you know what? I can pray about North Korea because I know you got me. I know that I am intimate with you. I know that I am yours and you are mine. And therefore, I can call all those others who are lost into your house. I can truly be selfless. David is so filled with hate. He says, I hate the things that you hate, God. And I hate them with complete hatred. What breaks off apathy is not the reasons why you should do something. It's love. It's love. It's when... People and things come against the things that you love. And that's what God's, going, God's directing us into. As he breaks off that fear of intimacy. As you realize that he, is, he loves you so much. The things, I was listening to Pastor Benjamin's message once again about developing a prophetic culture. Or whatever, I forgot the title. but And he says, he talks about how when things happen to us, it's not about us. That it's just a prophetic sign for us to intercede for other people. You know, the reason you can do that is because when things happen to you, God is not, God has got you. And He's intimate with you and He's close to you and He's hemmed you in behind and before. You don't have to worry. You can be completely intimate with God. You can come before Him at all times and say, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way within me. Lead me in your way everlasting. You can be completely open with him. Because the knowledge that he loves you is not too wonderful for you. It's not. It's not too much for you. It's yours. He's worked all things for your good. Because he has called you. He has set you apart. Let's pray.
Right now, I, be, I believe there's many of us in this room that have been have been feeling like intimacy with the Lord and with other people is not something for now, but for a season that is far, far away. And that all our relationships, our, our, even our relationships with God are things that always seem like whatever we do, it doesn't even seem like we have any control over it, but they seem like they fail. That the people that are closest to us and the people around us, we feel like either we end up hurting or they end up hurting us. And we feel like all our our most intimate relationships are sabotaged. And there's these walls that are up in our hearts and there's these walls that are up because we're so afraid. We're so afraid of getting hurt again. We're so afraid of being rejected. But I believe that God right now wants to, he wants to minister to many of you in this place. He wants to break off the fear of rejection. He wants to break off the the fear of intimacy. You know, it's it's nothing that any person or relationship can do to break off the fear of intimacy. It's only something that comes when you encounter Jesus. And you see that Jesus has loved you. He loved you even before you loved him. And there's nothing that you can do to sabotage it. So right now, if you feel like that that's you, if you feel like that you've been dealing with this weight with all your relationships you feel like even in your relationship with God primarily that that you cannot you feel like you're just always stuck you're paralyzed in this place and everything seems like it's so far off I want you to stand right now if you feel like all your relationships are at a distance and no one is intimate and God is even, isn't even intimate with you. I want you to stand right now.